Welcome to Get Outside With Kids. With a podcast that helps you have more amazing adventures outside with your kids. I'm Kate and I'm here today with a very special guest who also happens to be my amazing co-host, Jen. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the podcast. Well, Kate, thanks for having me on the <laughs> podcast today. <laughs> We're doing something a little different tonight, as you can probably tell. Uh, we realized that after over a year of recording episodes together, um, apart from our very short introduction episode well over a year ago, we've actually never really interviewed one another and how we kind of came to this journey together. So tonight I am interviewing Jen as if she were a guest on our show. And I actually think this is a great way to do it. The reason I thought that this would be a cool thing to do is that last year, if you want to go back and listen to one of our all-time favorite episodes, we interviewed my parents. And I actually think the opportunity to sit down with somebody who you know really, really well and ask them deliberate questions and probe into things and they have to answer, which is also kind of a good thing, is really fascinating. I did it with my parents last year. Jen and I interviewed them and we I heard so many stories I'd never heard about my own life, for example. So, we thought it would be a cool thing to do here. And I'm going to start by maybe Jen. If you went back and listened to our very first episode, you'd hear a little bit about our backgrounds um, and, you know, a little bit about how Jen came to be living here in beautiful British Columbia. But Jen, maybe you can take us through that story um, of how you, where you grew up and what kind of a kid you were, what sort of a kid, how would you describe yourself as a kid and what kind of things did you like to get up to in your childhood? Oh, this is fun. Maybe I'll start with the childhood first and then I'll, I'll have the journey to kind of BC. Um as a kid, I mean, I feel really lucky. I feel like I had that idyllic childhood. I lived in a, a court or a cul-de-sac, sometimes as you call it, uh, with a whole bunch of kids the same age. We all grew up together. It was like a brand new cul-de-sac when the houses were built. So, you know, all the families move in at the same time. They all have kids the same age. And I feel like I was the youngest of three kids. So I have two very older brothers. They're seven and nine years older than me. And as a parent of two, like I can see how your standards just lower with each kid. So if you had a big age gap and a third kid, like that third kid is just on their own, man. And I very much was on my own. Like I feel like from a very young age because I have all of my memories of childhood of us and, and the neighborhood kids playing outside in the cul-de-sac. And obviously, you know, wasn't traffic on the street. It was only the families that lived there. I'm like, were there ever parents around? Like I really don't recall that. Uh, we'd pop in and out of each other's backyard. My next door neighbor had a really awesome swing set, you know, monkey bar set. So they were the ones we go there and play with. And then we got bored of that. Um, I had a pool in the backyard. So that was a big one with the pool. Surely someone was observing us like some of the time when we were in a pool. I mean, maybe. It didn't have a deep end. Maybe. <laughs> it was one of those above ground pools. So maybe they were like, ah, they're tall enough. They won't drown, you know, <laughs> kind of lax, lax parenting. But I feel like it was that really, that really 80s, 90s childhood where you just were outside all the time. You ran around and, and it got dark and the streetlights came on and you went home for dinner. So I, kind of typical of a lot of children of that generation. So the kind of upbringing you had then, Jen, you... What did your family do as a family together? Were you like on the weekends? What do you remember doing with your parents and with your much older brothers? What kind of things did you get up to? Were you camping and hiking? The kinds of things that I know that you do now? Very good question. So as Kate knows, and I start episode one, no, we really didn't do any of those things. I'm like, as you said that, I'm like, what did we do on the weekend? <laughs> uh, I mean, we didn't do a ton of organized sports as a family. I know my my middle brother played some soccer. Um, I think we just mucked around a lot. We had a cottage for one we went to in the summer. We had a couple of little local trips we did, but we really 
didn't do a lot. Of, like my outdoor time was just that really unstructured outdoor time. And I think we just mucked around a lot as a family, lots and lots of play dates. Now, when I look back, I'm like, my brothers would have been so much older that me having a play date meant my parents were just getting rid of all the kids for the day, I think, because my brothers would have been old enough to go out on their own and I would have been the last little kid. So I honestly think I had this very relaxed childhood. And when you're a kid, it doesn't I'm like, looking back, I'm like, gosh, I wish I'd done some of that stuff. But when you are a kid, I'm like, I didn't know what camping was. So therefore, like, I didn't miss out on it because I also didn't know it existed. So really, as a family, I'm like, I think my parents just let us run wild on the weekends and have play dates, and we played in the pool. And I think it was pretty relaxed. Like, certainly none of the pressure that I feel we have talked about on the show a lot about all these activities and all these sports and things going on. I think it was just like, here's some snacks, go out and play outside, have your friends over and have a play date in the basement. And, and that was kind of it. Now that you are a parent, how has that kind of upbringing influenced what you want for your kids? What kind of things from your childhood do you want to replicate for your kids? And what do you want to do differently? Good question. So the things that I want to do the same and I know we've touched on this is have that unstructured time. Um, you know, have that time where the kids can just be, you know, quote unquote, bored in the house, bored outside, where they can just play. Because uh, I think it really fosters that sense of independence. Uh, you know, we've had so many experts on the show that show that kids need a lot more unstructured time than, than they think we need. And in our generation, we're so used to filling all that time with another sport, another activity. And so I am really trying to hold those spaces for our kids to be like, nope, I know that some board time in the house is fine. Um, and that I don't always have to, quote unquote, play with my children. They are fine to entertain themselves. And actually, that's really good work for my children to find things that they can do themselves versus me constantly being the provider of entertainment, the provider of activities. It's good for kids to muck around at home or outside and figure that out. Now, on the flip side, what am I doing differently? Um, we grew up in a city, a pretty big city called Hamilton. We didn't do a lot of nature activities or hardly any. Um, and so that is the biggest change. Uh, when we moved out here to Vancouver, and obviously we're so fortunate to be surrounded by the beautiful Pacific Northwest coast, I do want my kids to know about camping and hiking and skiing. And so in that sense, they're having a very different upbringing because I never did any of those things till I was an adult. It's really weird interviewing you, by the way. Um, <laughs> um when you became a parent, uh, you know, six and a half years ago-ish, people love to give you advice. And I think as a new parent, you think all the advice, you don't know how to sift through the advice that you get, right? You don't know how to to take the stuff that maybe should just be thrown out right away and the stuff that is actually worthwhile. Do you remember when you were, when you first became a mum, do you remember the worst piece of parenting advice that you received? I think, you know, maybe I'll start with, there was so much around like what'll never happen again. So much fear, I want to call it mongering about like, you'll never sleep again. You'll never travel again. You'll never go outside again. And to some extent, things are different. I mean, gosh, those newborn days are brutal, but you do sleep again. Um, the traveling is different, but you will travel again unless you have a pandemic during your second pregnancy and you know baby, and then you don't travel for a period of time, but arguably you, you will travel again. Um, and I think getting outside, you can get outside. And in fact, you explore a lot differently when you're outside now with kids. So some of that stuff you have to kind of brush off. Um, every 
every childhood, every child, every pregnancy is going to be different. And so really getting advice from somebody, almost none of it is going to apply because you know, your baby is going to be totally unique to you and you just don't know what you're going to have. You have things like I told myself, like, I would never let my child sleep in my bed. I would never co-sleep with a child of any age. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my youngest <laughs> child is almost four. And he still is sleeping in our bed at least part of the night, most night. In fact, last night I woke up in the morning and I was like, I said to my husband, Andrew, I said, oh, our youngest child didn't sleep in our bed with us last night. And he rolled over. He said he, in the morning, he reminded me, he's like, no, no, no. That's because I slept in, in his bed for part of the night, actually. <laughs> so I thought we'd had a win. No, I was mistaken. So I think there's things like that that you think you're so sure on. And then you totally will be like, Oh, 100% wrong. Like things like meals, like I'm just going to cook nutritious, healthy meals, and we will eat exactly the same food as a family at every meal. And I will never make a second meal. Honest to God, just invest in craft dinner now. There are days I just open up a box craft dinner for the kids, throw down some vegetables, and call it a day because I just want to eat something really nice and I don't want to be complained about it. So I think you kind of find things for you that you think you're going to be stuck on that you're not. And other things that you thought would go one way just go totally differently. Flip side, what's the best piece of parenting advice you've ever received? I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it is true. You know, the the days are long, but the years are short. It's, it is cliche, but I, you really, when you're in it, it's really hard to see that you're in it. I think there's been a meme that's been going around that says like, when you're having a really hard day with your kids, and I can use this today because Kate knows I had a really hard day today. It's been a hard day. It's like, pretend that you're, you're yourself from the future and you came back to visit yourself in the past and you got to see your kids at whatever age they are one more time. And you're holding your little toddler, your newborn, your baby, your six-year-old one more time because your children are all grown up. And even just saying that, it kind of makes me teary to think like, yeah, but in 10 years, I'm going to have these big lanky boys, you know, and they're not going to want me to cuddle them in bed and read them a bedtime story. (laughs) And I know in 10 years, I would love to go back probably one more time and give them a little toddler cuddle. Um, Because it is true that newborn stage, like that zero to six months, can be brutally hard, but then that's it. And then you never snuggle them like that again. And then there's other wonderful things that happen. And it is wonderful the next stage too. But so sometimes I had to put myself in that mindset and go like, okay, they are only little once and today is hard, but tomorrow they're going to be one day bigger and one day bigger the day after that. And I will never hold them this small again. Like every day that passes, they'll always just be that much bigger. So when you're in it, and if you're in it right now, listening to it, try and put yourself in the like 10 years from now, I'm going to wish that I was having a temper tantrum about a blue bowl um, and not a meltdown about something else, perhaps a lot <laughs> you know, bigger or more significant. I'm going to wish I was just arguing about the blue bowl or the cinnamon bun that it was today or whatever it is. Um, so I think even though it's cliche, that one really does stick. <laughs> I haven't heard that one of going back to, you know, coming the you from 10 years. That, that's, that makes me want to cry. I think of my three-year-old know, today right? holding me, my hand and like her little chubby soft hand in mine, you know, like the way that she wants to be as close to me as possible. Like I already miss that and I'm still experiencing it. It's crazy. Um, to go back to when you were a kid, Jim, um, you know, you had, you, you had a pretty – massive loss in your life at the age of 12. Can you tell us the impact that 
that losing your mum at the age of 12 had on on your parenting, the impact it had on little Jen at the age of 12, and then the impact that that's had on your parenting and how you approach parenting since. Yeah. So as Kate said, my mom passed away. She had cancer when I was 12. And recently, a good friend of mine lost her mom to cancer. Um, you know, We had a big cry about that. We had many, many conversations about it. And she would told me, she just said, Jen, I, I can't imagine how hard it must have been for you as a child. And in some way, I said, you know, when you're a kid and you're only 12, it's like you don't have all of the full spectrum of emotions you have as an adult. So my good friend who lost her mom, I said, in a way, it's almost harder for you because you're in it. You're both a mom now. You actually can really perceive the loss that's in front of you. Because I was only 12 at the time, I knew what I was losing a little bit, but I didn't know the full spectrum of the loss. And so in a way, I feel like for many years of my life, my mom's loss was like, it was under the surface there and it was day to day, it was fine. And then when I became a mom, I felt like that loss hit me a lot harder because it was the first time I really realized what I had lost. Because there's so many questions, like when you're 12 and 13, you don't, I didn't certainly sit down and ponder the big life questions with my mom at that time. Um, I would, I didn't ask her about her pregnancies. I know, I know we were all C-sections, but beyond that, like I didn't get into the, I don't know what her pregnancies were like or her deliveries were like, or I didn't ask her what the days of having newborn babies were like. So I didn't get any of those details. And then I remember one night and it was like, my youngest child was like one or two. So, I mean, this is like recent and, you know, we're talking t- 20 years after my mom passed away. And I was rocking my youngest in his rocking chair, putting him to sleep. And I just started sobbing, like hysterically sobbing, like to the point where I was like, oh my God, I'm going to wake him up. So I'm hysterically sobbing. I put him in his crib and I came out of the room and I was just bawling my eyes out. And so Andrew came up the stairs, like, is everything okay? Like what's happened? Like he didn't know what was wrong. I'm just laying on the floor sobbing. And it was all I could say to him to say, my mom never got to meet my kids, you know? <laughs> and that was like that realization in that moment, like, that's what I lost. I lost the fact that she never got to see me grow up and she never got to meet these boys. And like in that moment, that grief was almost worse than losing her the first time because I finally realized, like, this is the loss. This is the moment I, you, as a, as a, child if you grow up one day and you finally have kids and you you come full circle and you look in your parents eyes and like you you get that moment and i didn't get that and like i know i just cried there for a while and i was like it sucks i have two beautiful children my life is so complete in so many ways and i have so many things to be thankful for but my mom never got to see me become a mom you know and how how much that sucks for me how much that sucked for her And so I think I think about that a lot in my parenting. Like I want my children to remember me. I want my children to have these these memories of me. Um, You know, I think about my mom. My mom was trying to tell me near the end that she was very sick. But when you're 12, you can't even comprehend that your mother could die. Like that's not even something you can think about. You're just like, well, obviously you'll go to the hospital and get medicine and get better. And I I think now I put myself in her shoes. Like I think, oh my God, if I got sick, it, I wouldn't be sad that I was dying. 
I'd be sad for my children's sadness, you know, like you'd be sad on behalf of your children because you would know what they're losing. And so I think now, only really now have I fully realized like what she would have gone through and how awful that was. My mom was only, I want to say she was 45 at the time, plus or minus a year. And as someone, I mean, Kate and I are coming up to the big 4-0 next year for our birthdays. I mean, it really puts life in perspective. When you're 12, 45 is like an ancient. old person. Like, so old. It's ancient. There's lifetimes away. And now I'm like, we're going to be 40 next year. Like, I cannot imagine only having five years left with my children. Like, you know, like that, that's the most horrific thing you could think that you'd only have a few years left with your children. So I think even though those days, you know, the days are long and the years are short, the years are really short because we're also all counting on having all of the years with our children. I, and I hope to God we all have as many possible years with our children as possible. We just don't know. We just don't know how many years we're going to get. And so I think it's really important to stay present and focus on like what's happening today because we don't know how many years we're going to get. You know, And even though today was arguably a really, really hard day, was still a day we all were here. We were all together as a family. And like, when you really think back, it's like, that's what really matters. I think I've said this to you once, Kate, that like the boring, the monotony, right? Like we're all in this monotony stage right now. Like we go to work, we have nine to five jobs. We get the kids at the door to daycare. We come home, we feed them. Then maybe you go to soccer and then maybe it's bath and bedtime. And like, you're in this monotony and sometimes it can feel like a drag, right? Like we're all like, oh my God, another week of like, regular life. But then there may come a point when you look back and realize like, no, regular life, like that was that was the good stuff. Like that was it. Because everyone was happy, everyone was healthy. And regular life meant it was regular. No one came home from work sick. No one died. Everyone's happy and healthy. And we're all doing the things we're supposed to be doing, like school and work and activities. And and that actually is like the moments of life. You know, it's not these, it's not the vacation or it's not the hiking, even. It's like the day-to-day monotony that when you look back, you'll actually remember. So very long-winded answer, but thanks for sticking through that one. Um, Elise Myers shared something on her Instagram account recently, which was about those little moments. And she said that she's been thinking to herself, I'm not a very happy person or I haven't been having a good time recently. I've been struggling a lot. And she's been trying to take photos of little moments that brought her joy in the day. And it's exactly what you're saying. The the days seem monotonous, but there's these little moments of joy that could be seeing a flower. And a lot of this stuff happens with our kids and a lot of it happens outside, which is why I think we have this podcast. You know, a lot of it is like, the feel of my three-year-old's hand this morning, you know, that chubby little hand as she reached up for mine to hold my hand or one of my kids pointing out a daffodil in the flower bed as we walked past, even if it was literally on like a sidewalk next to a mall. And she's like, look, a daffodil. Or it's the little smile that one of your kids gives you across the table um, because there's a joke happening and you have a little private joke with your kid that they understand nobody else does. And she was saying she takes photos of some of these little moments. So, she scrolls back through her camera roll and, you know, some of those weeks where nothing happened, there's nothing in there, (laughs) but she's now got this whole, (laughs) this whole roll of these beautiful tiny moments that add up to exactly what you say. And it's a way of kind of making it tangible. I'm kind of interested in that from your point of view in terms of 
keeping track of these years and you know the sort of there's, there's obviously photos everywhere there's there's records of everything and you work in social media you tell us how you feel about social media for kids oh, gosh. for things about kids um accounts around kids because we all know you know like everybody wants to do the best they can by their kids and we're all trying to figure it out but like how do you feel about social media? What do you love about it? Oh my it? gosh. What do you think are some yeah. of the challenges now that you're a parent? So I think I have, my perspective has changed a lot since being online as a parent and since working in social media. And I think things have changed dramatically in the last six years. So like any new parent, oh my God, you have your first baby and you're like over the moon, you take 10,000 photos, you want to show them all online. Um, and I did when my kids were first born, like all those big moments, you want to post them online because you have so much, I mean, this thing you've just made, you just want to share it with the world because they're beautiful and they're perfect and you want to post them online. And so I did a lot of that in the beginning. You know, I, I was in social media, I'm posting a lot of stuff about my kids. Um, and I feel like my perspective has really shifted in the last few years. So a few years ago, I changed my Instagram account to private uh, because I have a work-facing account and that one is my public account. I really wanted to make sure that clients and people looking for me from a business perspective were only finding me in a business perspective and not finding me on a personal perspective. So I, you know, I've kind of separated those two things and I've locked down my personal account. And now that my oldest child is six, so we're starting to get like, he's not a cute little baby anymore. He's his own little person. Um, I'm really trying to be a little more wary of what I'm sharing online. Um, I still struggle with the fact that I'm like, oh, but it's his birthday and I love it. And you know, you want to celebrate those moments. And, and I love seeing my friends' kids' pictures online. It's a way to stay connected with your community and with friends and people you don't see very often. The harsh reality is there is a ton of scary stuff online. Um, I follow a few kind of very prominent accounts about child safety and things that happen online that have terrifying statistics for kids online. Um, I may be more lucky because I have boys. If I had girls, I, at this point, I'm not sure we're posting their pictures online at all. Um, there are so many, you know, I want to call them like mommy account, bloggers account, where people are posting their entire children's lives online. Um, and they have the data and the stats now to prove that all of that content is being viewed typically by adult males. And so if you Ugh, see adult males viewing, gross. I know it's it's horrific. It's it's awful to think about, you know, and, and as young as I'm talking as young as toddler years, I'm not talking 13 year old girls, I'm talking four year old girls. Um, and I didn't know that before. And I think a lot of us don't know that. And it's okay if this is the first time you're hearing that and you don't know that. And, and you know, this is really surprising or uncomfortable. And I think we're the first generation that like, we're the first ones doing this. Like we literally got Facebook as, uh, you know, kind of a semi-adult. We were in university. So I was we're the not first generation to come. I was not fully formed, I wouldn't think. <laughs> we're fully formed. <laughs> so a lot of this is totally new. Um, you know, and Kate, you know, I remember when you first said like, I'm never going to post my kids online. I was like, Kate is crazy. Who's not going to post their beautiful children on Instagram? And now I'm like, Kate, I think you made a really smart decision. You know, like I think you have really come about this um, in a really good way because you made that decision very that decision very early on for your kids. Yeah, I think it is. It's something that's kind of on our minds a lot. You know, we have an amazing social media account at Get Outside with Kids. 
but we're really careful about what we share there. We're careful about all the things. If you've noticed, we, you know, there's certain things we do in this podcast. We never name our kids. We don't want you to know a lot of details about them. Um, and we're never going to share their faces anywhere. And we're actually going to pull back from sharing content of them at all on our account. And you're going to see more of more of us, right, Jen? The real yeah, stars of, of the show here. It's us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so, Jen, we've had a podcast here. Um, we've been friends, I guess, for – you told me the other day this number. What was it? Nine years? I think we met nine years ago. Um, and- it was your wedding anniversary plus a couple – well, plus a year or two. That's kind of what we can base it on. Sorry? Your wedding anniversary, but I knew you before then. So, like your wedding anniversary oh. plus a couple of years. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we met before my wedding because you're at my wedding. Anyway. <laughs> so, we <laughs> – We've been friends for about nine years, I think is the number. We met at the Vancouver Aquarium. We both were working there. We both started around the same time. And, you know, in the last year or so, we've been hosting, co-hosting our podcast here. What is your favorite thing about our podcast and your favorite thing about being a podcaster in general? Okay, this is going to sound cheesy. My favorite thing about a podcast, Kate, is that we get to hang out even more, <laughs> to be honest. I, me and Kate see each other three times a week but it's fun today to have a you're project at my together. house twice <laughs> or three times twice, twice. <laughs> at least twice today i was at your house but for anyone out there thinking about starting a podcast i'm like and when we first talked about it we were like if nothing else comes from this we will have a fantastic time sharing stories and i was just thinking about this the other day i'm like 20 years from now we're going to have all this of us on record. Like how kind of cool is that? Like we will always look back on this and be like, what a cool thing. And maybe the podcast will still be going on 20 years from now. I mean, amazing. It might be. When I um, first pitched this idea to you and I said, how long are we going to do this for? You said until we die. And they were your exact <laughs> words. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to podcast and until we May die. have overcommitted <laughs> slightly on the timing. <laughs> Um, but then as we got into it, like when we first started, it was, it was going to be us and like, maybe we'd have some guests on, but then we had some really cool guests on. And then Kate, of course you have so many connections in the outdoor world, um, through your job. And so it's been, it's been amazing to be like, oh, like these are really cool people who I would have never gotten to hear from otherwise. And I think for us, like me and you, I mean, obviously we're, we're still learning the parenting thing as everybody is. And then when you have a guest come on, who's got like a PhD in scientific study and authors of books who come in and are kind of upholding and reinforcing the views that, that we think are good. And we're like, oh, okay, no, we're on the right track here. Like someone else who has a lot more education and training in this area is like, yes, this is definitely the right thing to do with your kids. You do want to get them outside and they've got all the stats to prove it. Like that has been really nice. You kind of feel like, okay, and this one very slim area of parenting, we might be getting something right. <laughs> There's whole other heaps of parenting that I'm probably getting wrong. Uh, but this one thing we're trying to do a good job on. And, and so it's been really great to have those experts on the podcast and to learn from them. And who's been your favorite guest so far and why? Oh. We know who your favorite co-host is, obviously. But obviously. <laughs> favorite guest. Oh, a couple. I mean, it's hard to narrow it down to just one because I feel like all of them have had some really good insights to share. One of the ones I really liked recently that we just had on was a couple, Stu and Dev. Uh, they moved across the United States from Texas up to Seattle. Um, and they set this goal of 100 hikes for their family. They have four children. Definitely go back and listen to the episode. It's amazing. 
And I really just love some of Stu's insights about how they just motivated their kids to do stuff. And like, you know, sometimes you get a little bit stuck in your own, like, oh, things are hard and we have two kids and we can't do it. And then you have another family who's like, we got four kids and we just said we're going hiking. And so we went. And I want to be like, yes, I like this. And I like goals. I like families that have ambitious goals. I thought that was really cool how they got the kids to kind of buy into that goal setting too and how they really like pushed through and persevered that. So it made me want to kind of like up our hiking goals a little bit as well to be like, okay, yeah, let's up our hiking goals for the summer. Like maybe Mm -hmm. we could do some big stuff this summer too. Um, So that was really good. Um, And of course, I loved Linda Flanagan, the author of Take Back the Game. I think we've mentioned her several times on this podcast. (laughs) I quote that episode to everyone I talk to. I just was talking to a friend at the gym because again, it just really, there is so much pressure around doing 10,000 activities um, for your kids. And again, you get sucked into that so easily as a new parent. You're like, well, gosh, I mean, if so-and-so is doing five activities for their kid and we're only doing two, like maybe we should sign up for more. And then when you have someone come on who's really well-versed in this field, who's written an entire book, really reiterating all of the reasons that kids don't need 100 activities and that you should protect your family time. You're like, okay, the pressure's off, the guilt is off. I'm feeling a lot better about the choices that we've made. So while all the guests have been truly insightful, those two I've really, I've really gotten some good insights from. I have a friend who I messaged in April this year, April. And I said, hey, can we catch up for dinner? Just you and me, no kids, just you and me. She wrote back to me and said, how's August? <laughs> Oh my God, what? I saw you twice today, you know? (laughs) I was like, wow. She said, we have so many things going on with our kids' activities. I can't possibly commit until the summer. And maybe I'm available in July or August. So yeah, I think there's a lot of overscheduling going on. Um, Okay, so I'm going to wrap up with a couple of questions here. Jen, be honest. What is the absolute worst thing about being a parent? Gosh, it's the whining. It's the whining for mm. sure. The children, the oh, children whining. Great at you. That not the sound. Not, not your partner make. whining. <laughs> no, no. The child, the children whining. The whining, and the. I think we've said this before. Like you can love your child more than life, and also need to leave the room immediately. Like <laughs> so often. I think that's really hard. For me, I'm. It's the patience, like my patience. Uh, then I need so much of it in a day, um, and that's hard. It's a good learning lesson for me to continue to renew my patience. But that part is hard, just to continue to stay cool. So many times, like I can stay cool the first time, the second time, but by the third or fourth time, I am not. I'm not cool anymore. So that is the hardest for me. What's the best thing about being a parent? Oh my God, they're so adorable. They're so stinking adorable, which is why the that's why you keep them because they're just so freaking cute. In the same 20 minutes, 20 seconds, they will do the most annoying thing that will make you question your entire sanity. And then my youngest three-year-old, he loves to come to you and goes, mommy, I just have to tell you something. And like you're cooking dinner, you're like, what? What is it? You know, I'm trying to do something. And he'll just go, I love you. <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, buddy, of course I'll stop for you. I love you too. I mean, of course I can take a minute, you know? And then it just totally resets you right again. Or they come up and they just give you a hug and you're the best mommy ever. And you're like, thanks kid. I needed that today. So that's the best part of parenting. (laughs) Oh gosh. That makes me want to cry. And Jen, I know that if your mom could see you and she could see moments like that, she would be so proud of you. 
And I hope that that gives you some comfort knowing, you know, what an amazing mum you've become and knowing that her absence is so, she's so sorely missed in your life, but that you have so much to be proud of. And what I would wish for you is having her and, you know, being part of some of these beautiful memories you've created for your family and, uh, you know, to be able to see all the amazing adventures. They're so far from where you grew up. <laughs> if you know Canadian geography, you know where we live in Vancouver is really far from Hamilton. Um, and, you know, the life that you've created for your kids and for yourself and the mum that you've become, I know how proud she'd be of you if she could see all of that. This has been really fun to ask you questions. We don't normally ask each other questions like this because normally we're interviewing somebody else or we're talking about epic fails when things go wrong. Um, so thank you for being very honest with me. Um, thank you for sharing your time on the podcast with me. And I think we're going to flip this around at some point in the coming episode and you're going to get to ask me a bunch of questions too, right? Yes, you are going to be next. I'm going to have to get my question list prepared to make it just as good as this episode, Kate. <laughs> Also, Jen, you've mentioned that you're a social media consultant. Where can people find out more about Jen's actual professional life outside of the podcast? If they're like, huh, this person knows what she's talking about with social media. I need to go and follow her. Awesome. Well, you can come hang out with me over on Instagram at social with Jen. Um, if you like really funny reels content, you will see me uh, doing some funny stuff there daily. Um, my website for actually when you're interested in social media is mountaintopconsulting.com. CA. It goes with the outdoorsy theme. And in fact, my banner image is an image of me and my youngest child in the mountains. So all loops into the Get Outside with Kids podcast. Awesome. Thank you for being our special guest today, Jen. We will be back again next week with another episode of the podcast. In the meantime, if you'd like to catch up, you can always go to our website at www get outside with kids. All our episodes are there. You can also continue to find us wherever you're listening right now. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe so you'd be the first to hear every single episode. And you can also leave a five-star review while you're there. And we look forward to coming back again next week with another episode.